I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong, where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Super excited this Thursday to be here, folks. You always know I'm excited on Thursdays, one of my favorite days of the week. I have the absolute pleasure, pleasure, yes, every interview is a pleasure, it's an honor. It's exciting because people are saying yes to this conversation. Yes, I want to tell my story. Yes, I want to help others on their journey being first gen too. So I have the wonderful Janet Reyes with me today, who's a California native and someone whose work I've come to adore. She's documenting her journey as a first generation graduate student, but I'm not going to get into all the details. It was say hello, Janet. How are you? I'm well. Thank you very much for having me. Oh gosh, so very glad to have you, excited about having you. Thank you for your willingness to come onto the show and, and share your story with us. Now, if you will, in the good old tradition of the First Gen Lounge, tell us who you are and what is it that you do. I'm a first-generation graduate student. I was born and raised in Southern California. I am Mexican-American and have a 12-year-old child, so I'm also a single mother, and I am studying to get my master's in communication disorders to be a speech-language pathologist. That's really awesome. So Mexican-American, single mother, graduate student. Yes. That's a lot of layers there. (laughs) (laughs) I want to dig into even, you know, the first part of of what you're saying about being a Mexican-American, which... I have had an honor. I talked on a previous show with a guy named Hector Leon Sanchez, who's very awesome. And he too is Mexican-American. So would you mind telling us a little bit about your experience, you know, being Mexican-American for you, you know, and even that you're female and were born in Southern California and raised there? For me, it was a little bit challenging. As a child, I grew up in Burbank. There I was surrounded by a lot of Mexicans, but there was also a lot of, you know, whites. And I struggled with, I did not want to even speak Spanish as a child. I refused to want to speak it. I struggled with my identity. I heard there's a Spanish saying, and it says, calladita te ves más bonita, which means when you're quiet, you look prettier. And that was something that I was told to me my whole life growing up. So obviously I became the complete opposite of that. (laughs) I was very outspoken and it was just a challenge. You know, I'm the youngest of nine children. Uh, We grew up very poor. My parents had no, you know, formal education. My mom had maybe a first or second grade education. We all lived in a small one-bedroom apartment, and it was a struggle. When you say it was a struggle, what do you mean that it was a struggle? What does that struggle look like for you? Because I know there are several of us who are first generation and low income as well. For me, it was I wanted the American dream. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to do so many things, but the lack of resources and the lack of, you know, encouragement, it wasn't even, I never had anybody in my family graduate high school, uh, go to college. And as a child, I kind of didn't believe it was possible. 
And I slowly, as I turned into a teenager, started to believe that. I dropped out of high school. But it was something that always was in my heart, and I always wanted to pursue higher education. I always wanted to help people, wanted to do more. I felt like I could do more. And I didn't even know that it bothered me that I didn't finish high school until I had my own child. And I started to realize that I wanted more for him. And at the age of 30, I decided to go back to school. And it's only recently that I'm starting to learn about myself, who I am. And I feel like school has really helped me. It's kind of been my therapy. <laughs> That's really interesting because not only did you drop out of high school, which is you know, a different element to your story, and you went back and you went back like much later at that. When I say much later, at this point now, you're a grown woman, you've got a, a child, so your experience probably was really different. So would you mind telling us a little bit about, I mean, in making the choice, to go back to figuring out what to do next as a single mother and deciding school is a thing, but family is a thing. How did you navigate that? Yeah, I think it was, it was, I had just recently broken up with my fiance and I was like, I need to do something and get out of this rut. And I started to realize, you know, I'm the sole provider for my son and I need to have something. I was a hairstylist before and I was a successful and busy hairstylist, but I realized, you know, as I got older, it's a very physically demanding job. And so I mentioned it to my parents, to my family, that I wanted to go back to school. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to go back and get my education. And, you know, coming from a first generation, nobody's been to college. The response was like, why? Why, if you're working, why are you going to go back to school? What are you gonna do? It wasn't like, oh, that's so great. And so that was challenging because I didn't have the support, but I just knew in my heart, like. I don't know why, but I need to go back. Like I feel like I have to go back. I still had no clue. I struggled. I went to community college. I worked full time. I went to school full time. I needed this. I did have the support for my family in the sense that they helped me take care of my son, pick him up from school and stuff like that. But still, when I was tired and I struggled, I was constantly asked, why? Like, just, just quit. Just stop going. You were told to just quit, stop going? Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were like, oh, just, just stop. You're, you know, just, you know, um, you know, I started cutting my hours at work, making less money. So I was struggling financially, but I still wanted to pursue it. And, you know, my mom, especially, she didn't understand what I was doing, especially because I was just getting my general education. I had dropped out of high school, so I had to take remedial courses, math courses, English courses. And so it took me quite a while at community college. And then when I said I had to transfer, they're like, oh, my God, you still have more school, you know. So it was hard having to miss family events and uh, say, start to say no to things that I wanted to do with my family, with my son. Yeah. It's 
very vulnerable of you to share. Thank you for that, because to talk about the fact that it is hard and to think that, oh, my gosh, I'm risking, you know, making it seem like my family's not supportive. But again, the idea of just quit, it's hard for sometimes families and first gen to understand, you know, why quitting isn't necessarily an option when it's kind of like, I want to work, but I want to do different work. And this is going to allow me to do that. So I commend you for within yourself to keep going in spite of, you know, the being told to just let it go, you know, and to do something different. Because I know that had to be hard. Yeah, it was hard. Thinking about, you know, I really love the aspect of you being a single mother. And I say I love it because I know that it's difficult. And I know that it creates, a different, again, a challenge to be present in your son's life, to be present in your family's life, and to just be able to do a million things and to go to school. How have you been able to find the motivation to even pursue a graduate degree? What was that that said, I got to go for a graduate degree, too, because you got the, the, the undergrad degree, you know, you got your, your undergrad taken care of, but you're going. Why, you know? Well, two things. My son started seeing me going back to school. You know, he's kind of seen me in school his whole life as he can remember because I think it was he was in kindergarten or first grade when I started. And once I just graduated last year, you know, it took me quite a while because I there was a few semesters where I stopped and I just had to work. And so when I, as he got older, he, you know, he has been my motivation. He tells me, he's like, you're going to get your PhD, right? <laughs> you know, it's like not an option at this point. <laughs> he's like, um, you need to take a break, but I think you need to be a doctor. And I'm like, okay. So he is in my motivation and my degree to be a speech language pathologist, which is the field that I fell in love with. Like you need your master's degree at a minimum to be a clinician, a practicing clinician. So those were my two major motivations. And honestly, I didn't think that I could do it. I didn't think I would get in to graduate school. My field is a very competitive field. They accept 22, 21 applicants every semester, and they receive over 400 applications at most universities. Wow. Those were my two main motivations. But I do, I have a desire to pursue my PhD to continue being a role model and to show people like, look, I can do it. Um, you can too. <laughs> you know, I think it's important in my field, especially we help people who struggle with communication disorders and we're a very diverse country and the practicing clinicians are not representative of our country. We have in our field less than 5% people of clinicians who are bilingual and about 8% who are minorities. That's not representative. And when I talk to other people that want to pursue it, but have not, and they're like, oh, I don't think I can. It's very difficult. And it's because we have all these other external factors that we have to deal with being first generation, lower socioeconomic status, not having people to look up to as like how to apply to graduate school, to financial aid, you know, all of those things. I feel like I've become, I learned to be a counselor, a financial aid expert, a graduate application expert, and I am so willing and am constantly offering my support to other people, even strangers online, on Instagram. I have people messaging me from all over the country and I take my time and I'll call them, I'll text them, I'll message them just because I know what it feels like. I had to figure it out on my own. 
Yeah, absolutely. And doing that is one of those. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's going to come of this? Did I, you know, did I ask the right question? Did I say the right thing. But I, I again, congrats yeah. to you for that. And again, I like that you found a need in the world and that you are working to do something to be a change agent. Because I honestly hadn't even considered what communication disorders look like in terms of getting help. And then you're like, you're right. You know, do the people who need help look like me? Do they come from backgrounds as me to be able to understand? And even like you said, the bilingual yeah. aspect of it. I'm like, oh, gosh, really good point. You know, you know, if there's some language barriers for some. How can you help them if you can't even speak the language, you know, or even begin to help them grow? So I, I love, 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 love that. Very cool. And even cooler that you gave us the stats on what the application process looks like because I imagine the program is extremely rigorous and one that again it's just like oh my gosh am I going crazy you know but you're not you're not it's just grad school you're not <laughs> I feel like it every day <laughs> look I've, I've totally been there so I can totally understand it's like you know such a great time and it's also the worst time because you're like I'm doing all this learning but oh yeah. my gosh I, this is really due <laughs> <Fun stuff. laughs> so just um, considering all things because again being that you are a first generation also like a, they have the component of non-traditional in some senses and single mother what would you say for somebody who's walking in your shoes who's just like you who's you know trying to get through school trying to raise a child you know trying to make sense of family and you know your place in the family what, what kind of advice would you give them or kind of words of wisdom would you pass along my biggest thing is to learn to ask for help and learn to ask questions that was my biggest lesson is i thought i can do it all myself and it's almost like i can do this i don't need anything anybody mm -hmm. like i don't want to burden anybody and it's okay to say no to your family and they may not always understand and a lot of times they will try to, oh, come on, it's just school. You're not working. Like, you have time. Here, go do this. And it's okay to, and just learn to express, communicate with your family. And they may not understand everything, but try to tell them what a day in your life is like. Or just ask for help, ask for questions. Uh, you know, ask. It's okay to ask. And People are willing. There are other people out there who have gone through the same experience. And once I learned that, I found my own little community and family. Mm -hmm. I have a huge support system on campus from other professors, even not in my department. I have a professor. Her name is Dr. Ledesma. She's a you know social worker, and she was also a first-generation Native American mm -hmm. single mother. And so I found people like me who I aspire to be, who have inspired me to continue to pursue higher education, to be there, to be changed. Because I learned something from her that it says, um, you know, the Native Americans, they think they talk about the seventh generation. They're their goal is to help like seven generations ahead. Like, and it takes at least, I believe she told me three generations for a family to become a, you know, college going or institution going mm -hmm. family where they see education as important. So I see my nieces, my nephews, my son, you know, and I see the fact that he now doesn't even consider that college is not an option and it makes me happy to know that I can help not only my son my nieces my nephews so my advice is think 
about just asking for help and it's okay to say no sometimes and keep going. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. That's awesome. I think that's really great advice. And I love that you've been able to build a community and that you found people like you. That really set with me. Find people who are like you, who are doing the things you want to do and make those connections. Mm-hmm. Just really curious to know, how do you even go about finding them? And how do you even ask? That's something that I'm sure somebody's like, well, how do I do that? Because I don't know these people. Mm-hmm. Anytime there was some opportunity to volunteer or any, I would just walk on campus and see the booths. And I'm like, oh, what's this? Like, what's going on? And there's, we have like a cultural center, the the student union. People don't maybe seek out. I'm a very big on social media. And to me, social media can be a really good thing for me. I went on social media when I first transferred and I looked for all the organizations on campus and started following every single one. And anytime they had an event, I would go. Anytime they had, uh, it said, internship opportunity or volunteer, and I would go. Or, you know, free movie, anything that said free, I would go. (laughs) And I started seeing familiar faces. They started recognizing me and like, oh, you know, I go to Cal State LA too. And I just started talking and that's, kind of how I started building. I met some of my advisors, supervisors through internship. I got, I ended up getting an internship opportunity, which was not related to my field. It was actually for oral health, but I just said yes. And I met an amazing support system. That's really cool. I like that the message in all of it is you didn't sit around waiting for someone to come and help you. You took the initiative to get involved yourself. Mm-hmm. And that you sought opportunities to just show up and kind of see what happens. And I don't imagine that you were looking at things that had to be perfect, just wanted to learn more. And then that, yeah. you know, you were able to find some space to exist. So that's really, really cool. Considering all things, what would you say you're most grateful for right now? I'm grateful for, oh, geez, everything. My experience, I'm grateful for being on this campus in downtown, in the heart of Los Angeles. I'm surrounded by other first gens and other people who have similar experiences. And my, I feel like everything that's led up to me being here, my struggles, my being a single mother, it's given me the drive, the determination. And I've always been greeted here on this campus with a fam- smiling, familiar face and the willingness to help, which has inspired me to continue to do the same for others inspire you to do the same for others and that's a part of the reason why you started your platform can you tell us a little bit more about your platform actually that you're documenting your your experience yeah so i created an instagram account when i got accepted into the program because i i heard that it was going to be the scariest two years (laughs) of my life and that it was very challenging And like I said, I'm very big on social media and I used to have time to have a journal and document, sit and write. And I realized that in grad school, I don't. So it's kind of become my personal little diary. So I just wanted people to see the real, like my vulnerable side and see like some days I struggle, some days I'm doing good things and I'm excited. And some days I'm just really stressed and the realities of what it's like, like a day in my life. But more than that, I wanted them to see that it's possible. So I wanted, it's, I feel like social media, it's easier for you to ask a question to a stranger mm-hmm. and 
you know, there's not that, like, I've had people come up to me after communicating with me through social media for a while. They're like, oh, I've seen you on campus, but I'm embarrassed to say hi. And I'm like, say hi to me. Here, text me. Here's my phone number. Ask me something. <laughs> so I just created that. And I've just been documenting my journey, my first year of grad school and what it's like and all the ups and downs of it. That is really cool. And did you imagine that it would become what it is? Did you see that happening initially? No, I had no idea. I just kind of did it because my personal Instagram account, I noticed my friends were like, oh, here she goes again with her, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with her like school stuff. And, and it's funny because I started realizing I use my, this Instagram account a lot more than my personal one because my life is school right now. My life This is my my life right now. Mm. And PI, like I said, have met tons of people. We have been to conferences, like national conferences and then statewide conferences. And I've met people. I've connected with people in person from social media. I have people, somebody from Minnesota. I was struggling with a class last semester and she sent me all of her PowerPoints and her notes and her information. And I was just, Mm. I couldn't believe, like, I know there are people out there like that. I mean, I'm that way, but it's just, it felt so nice to have that. It's just an extended network of support. Mm. And I had no idea that I would meet so many amazing people and connect with you. I, I you, you reached out to me and I was like shocked. I'm like, me? You want to interview me? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was enjoying the story, actually. And again, like you said, social media. There are a few people that I've met via social media. And like I said, complete strangers. I'm like, hey, this is an interesting story that you have. It's interesting what you're doing in your first gen And we are a community of people all across the world who are doing amazing things. And I was really like, oh, you document your whole experience and like, look at this and like, you know, okay, cool. Because I didn't think to do that when I was in grad school. One, social media wasn't the big, big thing. It was Facebook was the thing. But now to even have things like Instagram and people, Snapchat and LinkedIn, there's so many ways to document, but also to connect like I can only imagine how powerful my experience would have been as a grad student if I'd even utilized social media more to have groups and that support. And as you said, to have complete strangers to invest in you or to connect with you, that's very powerful. And they connect with you because of the work that you're doing. And like you even said, you said something like, man, I never thought about that. You created a space where you didn't have to be uncomfortable sharing your experience, which is also something because you're saying your friends are like, oh, here she goes again. But it shouldn't have to, you know, I'm not saying it should have to be that way, but it's kind of like, ah, I hate that you felt that way. But then you found a way to fix it and found a way to even share, but to also be celebrated and to celebrate others. And that's really powerful and powerful in the sense that some people will see those things and not share or not want to be happy and excited about what they're doing because of what the response of others may be. But for you, you were like, no, just create another account. And then, wow, now you're meeting people all all over the nation. And for the young lady to have sent you the PowerPoints, like, what are the chances, you know? How awesome. But then again, the power of social media and the power of opening yourself up to meet other people. Like, that's really, really, really fantastic. I really love that. And then your story is really interesting because, you know, this is about the life after college and college being those four years. And for you, while you finish the four years, there's still been the, the different speed bumps that you've had to get over and, you know, hurdles that you've had to jump but then also the elements of who you are and identity 
from being Mexican-American to being a single mother to even being a graduate student is a component that's really fascinating to me because for some, life after college isn't necessarily going straight into the professional world. It's pursuing more education, but is it being a straight and narrow? It's not. And so you exemplify um, those things for me that it's not a straight and narrow. Everything isn't all wonderful. You know, it's going to be great. Like here, here's where I am even as a grad student. But is there anything that you wish someone would have told you, you know, five or six years ago, even about this journey of being first gen and a first gen graduate to be a graduate student? and a single mother, and Mexican-American, like of all the things that you are, is this something that you just wish somebody would have just set you down and said, Janet, you should know this or you should know these things. Like, what do you wish that was? That you do deserve to be there because I still struggled. Even in graduate school, it wasn't until recently. I had no idea what imposter syndrome was until recently. They told me, and I'm like, that's me. Like, I... I still felt like I don't, like, why am I here? I kind of cheated my way or sneaked my way in here. You know, I'm like, I'm just really good with people and they somehow just shouldn't have had me here. And so Mm. to somebody to sit me and say, you belong there. Like, it's okay. You do deserve a spot Mm -hmm. there. That would, I probably wouldn't have believed them, but it would have helped me like just knowing that, you know, it was a challenge figuring out the system and how to maneuver it, but also a challenge within trying to keep going, but feeling like I didn't belong. Mm, I can relate. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of us who are first gen can relate. And I realize again, that imposter syndrome is so powerful because when you've never seen it done before, And when you're the first to do it and now you're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. But wait, nobody's done it. That can be pretty stressful. Yeah. Uh, And I love the thread of message that you do belong here because you do belong. And even you are the example now for other people to see and say, hey, like you said, I can't do this. So I love that you keep saying hope and to be the example because somebody has to do it. (laughs) So now it's you and you can teach everybody else. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Love it. (laughs) So um, now for my look, I think my second favorite question, my first is, you know, who are you? What you do. I love that question um, because it really opens opens up the, the door for you to just really tell us like the depths of who you are and, and to leave people with what you want them to know, you know? But then the last mm-hmm. question is kind of like the takeaway or the what do you want them to remember? So what is the one thing, the one message, the one word or just the wisdom that you want for us to carry with us for the rest of our lives? To me, the biggest is that idea of the seven generations and it's something that stuck with me and I learned and it's think don't just think about your your time here I try to think about what I want things to be like seven generations down the road you know so I don't creating a space a change of a world or an environment that you would like to see seven generations down the line. Seven generations. That's awesome. It's even something for me to consider myself. I've never heard of it until we talked about it today. But Janet, you have been an absolute joy. I really appreciate you. And I'm really glad that you came on to the show you. and that you are blazing the trail. And I said again, I'm so proud of you. My mom was a single parent and she had three children and three jobs. So, oh, yeah, wow. yeah. So, I mean, I. <laughs> she's my hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's, 
She's absolutely one of my heroes. And, you know, I don't think she really understands the impact that she's had in my life because she didn't go to college. Um, and she did the best she could, but she taught me to persevere. She taught me to stand up in the face of adversity and just keep going. And even when it's hard, you know, you have a lot of reason to keep going because quitting is not an option. You know, you got to take care of your family. You got to take care of yourself. So she's yeah, absolutely one of my heroes. So it's funny that you would say that because I'm like, yeah, mom, go mom. And I tell her all the time, you did the best that you could the circumstances you were given. And that's all that I could have ever asked. And so, you know, it means a lot. So I'll touch a spot today. All right. But look, I know that there are some people out there who have listened, are listening, will maybe even share with a friend and say, you should check her out because same thing for you. So where can people find you in your social media space if they want to just catch up and, you know, reach out and be a friend? Well, my Instagram is slpgradstudent.diary. And currently, that's all I have. I have thought about having a podcast or having something just a space, specifically speech. I'm not sure if I want it to be speech related or not, but just an open space. But as of now, just slpgradstudent.diary on Instagram. And there is a link for uh, them to email me if they want to email me or direct message me. I'm an open book. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) But look at Janet again. Thank you so much for your time today, for sharing with us, for your wisdom, for your truth. Wishing you well in all that lies ahead and hoping that we can continue to work together and support each other. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you very much.